pilot TV podcast this week, we dig deep into the issue of fake news with Chimerica, follow one woman's attempt to reintegrate into society after prison in Back to Life, and collectively lose our shit at the triumphant return of Game of Thrones after two long, cold years. And yes, in a pilot TV first, we are recording this on Monday morning so we could stay up all night or get up at 6am in my case and travel to Westeros and back. I'm Terry White and welcome to the 31st pilot TV podcast and unbelievably given the previously mentioned return in another pilot TV podcast first. It's the first without our grumpy dragon and pelt loving leader, James Dyer. We are not sure what we're going to do without him for the next 60 minutes or so, but we're going to limp on without him. So this week, this hugely important week, I am joined in the limping by two co-hosts who will attempt to fill our dire-shaped hole. That sounded better in my head than it did coming out of my mouth. Firstly, the man who usually rounds out our toxic triangle, who couldn't convince any of his famous friends to warm James's chair, (laughs) it's Boyd Hilton. Hello. Hi, Boyd. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay without the dire wolf. (laughs) I know. Um, But it's weird. But we've got a wonderful, wonderful third person anyway. In many ways, a better person than James Dyer. I mean, in every way, really. I can't believe we've got into better than James and what we, four minutes in? Not even? (laughs) I mean, it's usually, it's it's the constant subject of the podcast. Well, you have mentioned him, so let's speak to him now. And joining Boyd and myself is a man who can fight the corner of the middle-class cis male... (laughs) With a plum. The man who can also speak eloquently to winged creatures and white walkers, for he is the one who oversaw Empire Magazine's huge Game of Thrones cover story. It's the aforementioned magazine's features editor, Nick Desemlian. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit nervous to be James 2.0. I've got more hair than him, but far fewer extreme opinions on Farscape. I know. I'm slightly worried it's going to be a completely reasonable podcast with people being really nice to each other. I'll try to throw in a few unreasonable opinions. It could be a massive dick to me, like twice at some point, and then kind of edge around it with Boyd, but never have the actual bottle to go for it. Passag way. I'll do my best. Good, good, good. So did we all stay up? Yes. Uh, I am knackered, but I, I enjoy the process of staying up to 2am, I have to say. Do you? Yeah. Do you get a kick out of it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I feel like, I think there is something brilliant in the fact that, that HBO have made sure, I think there's about 140 countries around the world that have it simulcast now, and we're, that half the world sitting up at the same time watching it. I think it's, I think it's exciting. Were you talking to anyone else and <laughs> elsewhere no, in the world? I was literally on my own in my flat. <laughs> I looked a little bit on Twitter to see if any morons were going to spoil it and of course they did. Yeah, of course um, they did. We, by the way, we haven't we before you arrived, Terry, Nick and I had a spoiler discussion about whether we were going to have a whether a review of Game of Thrones would have any spoil- and we feel it probably needs to otherwise there's no point in talking about it. So maybe yeah, what should yes, you think? So we did on the Empire review that went out this morning, there were spoilers. Mm. So we will be getting into that yeah. in our Game of Thrones conversation. Otherwise, it's impossible to exactly. talk about it. Exactly. So we will clearly kind of timestamp that so that you know and you don't blunder in and have your yeah. entire life ruined. James Dyer, I saw. Let's talk about him. He's not here. Yeah. Got somebody shouting at him this morning. Of I course. thought fairly because he basically like has a gif of the last shot. Yeah. Of, mm. Right. Said, what a last shot! And this guy was like, "Dude, I really like you, but you've just ruined it." Well, I don't think that was really the last shot, was it? It was like no, a joke. Was, yeah, yeah, it was a joke, not yeah. last shot. But still, if you if you don't know it's not the last shot, then you think he's. You Take it literally. Yes, exactly. So everybody who hasn't watched it doesn't get the gag right. and thinks he's ruined it and gets the gets the last <laughs> shot of the thing wrong. Classic Dyer. He is the ruiner. 
yeah, ruining yeah. things across two continents. I got up early to watch it, so I kind of watched it on the Chilton line. I was buying a latte while I was watching uh, dragons doing stuff, getting some weird look, but yeah. Don't tell me what you no, think. No, no, no. We're not going to get into yeah. it. I got up at 6am, like I said, and I should say, and we'll get into this more when we get to the segment, but I have never seen Game of Thrones, which we've talked Amazing. about before. Last week, James was desperate for me to hate Game of Thrones. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. To drive yet another wedge between us. Yeah. I won't reveal if I liked it or not, but let me tell you, I think I got most of it, even though I've never seen it. That's so interesting. That in itself is fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, so I can't what, wait. That is interesting. What else have we been watching this week? Well, I have been watching um, a couple of things. One show that we nearly reviewed. So there's always like stuff that we think, should we really, should we not? There's a show called Trust Me that yes. starts this week. This is a weird show. So it's the second, first series was Jodie Whittaker pretending to be a doctor. She was a nurse. She pretended to be a doctor for various reasons. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker being a doctor. I know, it's weird. It'll right? never work. It'll never work. So this was pre-doctor and it was really good fun. And it was also quite scary because it was based on, this happens a lot apparently, that actual people do pretend to be fully qualified doctors and they go around killing people in hospitals. Be afraid. Hang on, did you just say this happens all the yes, time? Yes, it happens all the time. And the writer, <laughs> Dan Sefton, said it is absolutely based on real life cases. So that, that was that, which was a couple of years ago. And it was a good, decent thriller with Jodie Whittaker. She's obviously not doing it now. So they've completely rebound. And it's just a completely new story, but set in hospital and it's a thriller. This is like Real Window, where one man who's got had a, who's been shot in Afghanistan, he's a soldier, and he arrives in this unit because he's severely injured and he's flat on his back and he can't move. And he's played by Alfred Enoch from How to Get Away with Murder and he's very good. Mm. But he he's sitting there, helpless, can't do anything, can't move, can just about speak. And he thinks there is... And someone tells him that someone's going around killing people in the ward, where he's so that's the premise. It's a good, strong, very Hitchcockian. The way it's directed and everything, Hitchcockian. It's fun. It's a really good, fun thriller. So I've watched that, and I think people will enjoy it. Mm. I mean, there's no great substance to it, but it doesn't need to be in everything, and that's a fun thing. But what I've also saw, which we talked about a little bit when I saw you in the lift late last week in our workplace, is all the episodes of The Victim. Yes. Yes. I did this too. Yes. And what was interesting was, I thought I really thought it was great, actually. Yeah, so did I. And I thought it kind of turned from basically kind of quite thrillery you know mm. kind of big broad show not broad but kind of you know gripping riveting genre piece yeah. anyway into something by the end it was a kind of rumination on crime and punishment and big Dostoevsky-esque yeah. themes and what, it's, what it means to be forgiven can you forgive can you get over the most devastating thing of all that happens to your, your young son being killed by another young man and I thought it was unbelievably powerful and very bold actually the yeah. ending of it I so mean, yeah that en- and I don't want to give anything away in case people haven't watched the entire thing and it is all on iPlayer we should say there's something that happens in the final episode that we talked about in the Mm. lift because I was quite shocked they went to a place that I was surprised they went to and you're right in that it's it's definitely controversial. I'm still not sure how I feel about it, to be honest. But I agree with what you're saying about it. the premise seems like your run-of-the-mill kind of criminal justice court case trial thing. Yeah. And as you say, as it unravels over these four episodes, it became this huge kind of meditation mm. on the most fundamental parts of what it is to be human. As you say, innocence, guilt, the contribution society makes to that, how people are reintegrated back into society. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and I Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. Oh. I think it's like what the greatest thing she's ever done. Yeah, she right. is amazing anyway, but I was watching it and it was like her reactions to stuff, like she has to burrow deep within herself to come up with the most pain to show us the pain she's experiencing. And it was absolutely incredible. Watching Great that. face acting Gr- from Kelly McDonald. Incredible McDonald's. face acting. Kelly Great Kelly. face. From Kelly McDonald. Mm. She does give 
absolutely brilliant face. And I've got one more question for you for Go Fleabag. On. I know we did <gasps> Fleabag last week, but the th- the big thing that everyone seems to be discussing on social media about Fleabag is, was the priest yeah. a wrong one? No. And I agree with you completely. Oh, my God. It right, drove so, me mental. Yeah. So it's final episode, as we know, right? Yeah. The whole of social media went into meltdown declaring that the priest was toxic and an abuser. The whole yeah. get on your knees episode was kind of cited yeah. as proof of that. A, it completely takes away any responsibility, autonomy, independent thought from her. Right. I don't believe at any point she was doing anything that she wasn't comfortable with. No. I read a really great piece that said he makes his boundaries really clear and she crosses them over and over again. Completely. And actually, it's a flawed relationship. He's a flawed human being who's struggling with this great love he has for God and this feeling and these feelings he has for her. I didn't see that at all. No. It kind of irritated me because I think it completely devalued and undermined her character and all that whole journey she'd been on. 100%. I'm so pleased you said that because, uh, you know, I felt like as a man, you feel like, oh, I'm not getting what she's she's getting at something and I haven't got it. And I, because I really like, I love him. I think he's brilliant. And I totally, I, for me, like people are also saying, he's got the power. It's, it's a lust thing. He doesn't have the power. She he's in love with power. God. She has the power. For him, it's like, oh my God, I'm about to yeah. ruin my whole life mm. and my whole calling yeah. because I'm in love with this woman. And also, if it was an incredible thing of equals, like they're both funny, yeah. smart, brilliantly charming, witty people who are both hot as well. They were absolutely made for each other, but the tragedy of it was it was completely doomed because of his he's a bloody I know. priest I know. and and I just thought the whole thing of him being an abuser I thought it was like no that's not and, and I think it also detracted because the writing's so nuanced yeah and she has had there's loads of characters in that in the show going back to series one who are wrong-uns who yeah. are fucking you know toxically masculine idiots but he's just not one of them no and, and, also, just, and don't you think also it this refusal to allow any male character to right. have a flaw exactly. to not be as fucked up as she yeah. is the fact that they're in this together and as you say actually she's the one with the power and he's going through probably the biggest crisis of his adult life to not allow him any flaws or any transgressions we can't suddenly expect all men in right, exactly. in dramas come any kind of culture actually whether it's TV film to be we've talked about this in the mm-hmm. Kevin film you can't expect male characters just because the age is more enlightened to be perfect versions of, course, of themselves yeah. did you watch the final I've got to confess I'm still working my way through Fleabag so I've only seen one episode of season oh, two I'm, I'm savouring it because oh, this is the end oh, right dear. so I, I'm letting it kind of I'm savouring it rather enough. than watching it in one go how do you guys feel about there not being another series I think it's right I think it's brave and it's right and it devastates me but also what a perfect way to sign off I love the confidence and the control to go mm. that's it I'm done what about a Christmas special I well, that's your, no. Do you know what? Funnily enough, if you look carefully, I've made this point. It's it's the people around her, around Phoebe Waller Bridge, that yeah. said this is the final series. She has not she's said not that herself. No. So I feel like she's because she, she, you know, in five years' time, when the BBC and Amazon go, look, we'll give you eight squillion pounds to do what a one-off Christmas special. She might do it. Or a film. The, the way and I mean, I, it is a perfect again, ending, I don't though. want to say how it ended, <laughs> yeah. but the way it ended had a final, not in any any plot way, but it had a fin- it finality about it stylistically. That means it would. Completely Completely upend that to do a one-off special. <laughs> I know, um, but so was it? But what else have Christmas. you? Um, I just been watching, been watching. I've watching? been watching old stuff. So I'm, I'm just finishing off Leftovers. I'm on series three of that. I'm Amazing. sure you guys have seen that. Love I'm up to the Orgy Boats episode. I love the Orgy Boat episode, which is incredible. Incredible, Chris. I absolutely fucking love the Leftovers, and we, do, we there was a piece in the current issue yes. of Pilot TV, which is great. I think it's probably in my top five shows of all time now it's really good it's absolutely incredible I'm really yeah. liking series 3 because I have yeah. no idea where it's it going it goes absolutely yeah. wacko yeah. but it's quite a dense show so again I'm watching yeah. an episode and then leaving it a little bit and then watching another one rather than uh, 
you probably don't want to binge that one. Yeah, fair enough. We should also say that Thingy's Instagram feed, the lead star, um, Mr. X Gen Am, what's his name? What's, which way? The lead in The Leftovers. Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux. Thank you. I just forgot his name because I'm old. <laughs> Justin Theroux's Instagram feed with his dog. Have you seen it? I don't it's, follow it's, Instagram. it's adorable. Okay. It, it's him and his incredible, cute dog. And he, him taking him around. He did a photo shoot in a magazine last week. It's brilliant. Check it out. It's almost as good as The Leftovers. Mm. Right. Well, now we would normally do Funny or Dire. But what have you been watching, though? Oh, said that no well, well i've been i watched the last episode of fleabag oh, okay i then went back and re-watched all of fleabag oh, again okay. line of duty is mm. just impeccable at yeah. the moment once you get over the ocg to the G to the bdd it's just <laughs> so brilliantly done i am absolutely obsessing over that so both of those basically yeah which is funny or dire without james dyer so we thought so just funny we could either not do this or we do it without him which as boyd pointed out it's it's kind of... I mean, it's best to have uh, the, the, the franchise that is all built around James Dyer to do it without him. I think it's perfect somehow. Yeah. You know, some people may <laughs> say, some people may say, why would you have a franchise on your podcast which relies on one person always being there? <laughs> and James doesn't have much of a, uh, what's the word, life. So he mm. is normally here every week. But we found a way to subvert him. So last week, if you remember, I put out a show and I asked for female fronted comedies because we'd had quite a lot of male fronted comedies. And we have had a few suggestions. So what I thought is we would choose it for him here and therefore he would have to watch our choice because I think giving him control is the worst thing we can ever possibly do. Perfect. Suggestion one is from Kathleen Stowe. Grace and Frankie, season three, episode one, The Art Show. I'm oh, looking yeah. at you, Boyd. I thought you were going to say Catelyn Stark. And I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very... <laughs> I was blowing my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I like Grace and Frankie, although I haven't really watched Beyond Season 2. So, But yeah, I, I think that's it's quite a good, good call. Colin Oakley suggested Siblings. Which was a new one on me. Oh, I don't know, siblings. Oh, my God. Do you want to check it out? I'm going to check it out, And Jez Garrett may have won this quite short race because he (laughs) suggested season one, episode one of Nighty Night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's won, yeah. Yeah. I mean, any Julia Davis recommendation. Um, I'm trying to imagine if James will actually surprise us and love it or really, really fucking hate it. Oh, Siblings was a BBC Three comedy. Yeah, quite Charlotte Richie and Tom Stoughton. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Quite broad. Yeah. Quite kind of over the top. But yeah, it, it might, he might like it, yeah. But I think it's got to be Nighty Night, I think. Nighty mm. Night? Yep, let's go for it. James, I mean, season one, episode one. So how many... He's only laughed once, right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, and he kind of said he laughed. Did he laugh out loud? Oh, yeah, he'd laughed out loud at one point. And mm, other than yeah. that, he was mainly inside laughing. Yeah, because I said next to him in the office and about 80% of my time is spent arguing with James about what what, what comedy is and um, really? yeah on it's a daily a, basis it's a losing battle okay yeah yeah God, can you imagine that? Trying to explain comedy to James Dyer on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is what this, this feature is on a weekly basis, oh, really. Oh, God, yeah. I know, but yeah. poor Nick. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to do with. Right, so N- James will be here next week talking about Nighty Night. Now it's time for news. I think we should start with that little um, Star Wars event in Chicago, oh, which yeah. is where James is, actually, yeah, right. which I suppose classes as work to some people. <laughs> and there was quite a bit of exciting news about The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Nick? Yeah, James and I were texting each other yesterday about this. It was mostly him going OMG over and over again, to be honest. But yeah, the Mandalorian, the first footage of that was revealed. Uh, There's a salacious crumb in it. I don't think it's the salacious crumb, Mm. but there is a salacious Mm. crumb. I can't remember the species. James will no doubt update us. He's screaming somewhere at at his speakers right now. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Werner Herzog. 
Yeah, that's exciting. Werner Herzog is playing a villain in this, and he leads his own troop of stormtroopers and says the word parsec, which is incredible. <laughs> I mean, apparently it looked amazing. But isn't the weird thing about this? So they showed uh, like some kind of trailer, didn't they, up to the audience yeah. in the room, but we couldn't. no one else could see it in the world. But they do that at um, I guess they do Comic-Con. It at Comic-Con and, right. and I was following James on Twitter, and he was saying that they were plucking people out of the crowd and cobbing them out for filming it. They were, they were taking it very, very seriously. Yeah. And yeah. this is one of the... Is it one of the first ones that's been kind for of properly announced yeah. for so, Disney Plus? Yeah, I think in the yeah. US they're releasing one episode in November. November, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if it's the whole series, but I think, yeah, that's one of the first ones coming out. There is a lot of excitement about this. This seems like, judging from Twitter, this was the big one Yeah. from, from the whole Star Wars celebration thing. So it takes place a few years after Return of the Jedi, right? Yes. Okay. Which is a time period we have not seen no, before. No, it isn't. Yes. So it's not Boba Fett. It's yep. a different Mandalorian. He rides oh a Jewback. Oh God. <laughs> James was excited about that. <laughs> yeah. It's a large reptile. A uh, Jewback. A Jewback. D E W. Oh, back. Yes. Not, not J E W. No, no, I'm no, saying no, this no, as no, a Jew. No, I don't no, want anyone riding yeah. my back. No, no, no. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you've, you've seen them in A New Hope. So, yeah, all kinds of excitement. I'm excited about Werner Herzog. Come on. That's amazing. Well, I loved, because um, it's John Favreau is there, who's obviously the showrunner, along with Dave Filoni, who's directing. And I think he said that it draws on some of the um, George Lucas's original Star Wars inspirations, so Sergio Leone and Samurai movies, mm-hmm. and which kind of, the sort of that spirit in there, and almost taking it, treating the birth of these TV shows like the birth of the cinematic universe, I think is really exciting. Because mm. that, I think, yeah. will reassure people that it's not going to be like we've seen with some of the Marvel shows or things like that where you've actually got a big step change in terms of difference and difference the, quality yeah I think the talent involved is, is exciting it's Pedro Pascal yeah. like mm. the lead isn't he he's the main guy yeah will he talk who knows yeah because they didn't so they didn't show him without his mask on did they it might be a dread type yeah. deal right. where he doesn't say anything I think that would be a slight waste of Pedro Pascal wouldn't it because he's such mm. a kind of I don't know he's very talky he's a very <laughs> talky actor I feel it's partly all about his talk no talking yeah, yeah. well um, I mean Boba Fett says stuff occasionally right so. yeah, yeah that's true oh, I'm excited about it yeah yeah. Taika Waititi is directing. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's an exciting bunch of directors. That's a great yeah. bunch. That is a good bunch. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is directing one of the episodes. Yeah, I think you're right. And then we've got the Hawkeye series as well, which was being talked about last week, which will join, obviously, Loki, Vision, Scarlet Witch, all of those people already getting Wonder Vision. Wonder Vision. <laughs> Wonder, Wonder Vision. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner, they've confirmed, is going to actually star in it as well, which is exciting. Again, these are all under Kevin mm. Feige and, and I was going to say proper Marvel Studios. I but... hope it's all set on Hawkeye's farm and it's like a country file deal. Gotta be right if yeah. it's his family and his origin story. Isn't, this gonna, isn't a woman going to become Hawkeye? Isn't that what happens? I think in the series. I think I think that's what's that gonna, right. Yeah, I think mm. so. That's why I read. Yeah, okay. that, that it's all going to be about him passing over the handing over the whatever the torch, not the torch, the arrow of yeah. and into a, a, a female who will become Hawkeye for most for, for most. Of it. I think that's what happens. Yeah, so that in itself is interesting. So mm. Disney Plus, I think they announced last week as well was going to be six ninety nine or seven ninety nine dollars yeah. in cheaper the States. than Netflix. Cheaper than Netflix, <laughs> and we would presume a similar price point when yeah, it comes over here. So actually, now they're starting to announce stuff, and you see the people attached. It feels like no brainer I mean we're all going to end up with 155,000 subscriptions to things but it feels exciting other yeah. news, Killing Eve, renewed for season three. I yes. think the same day that yeah, season it was, two I think. premiered. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. What do we know about this new head writer? 
Boyd, Suzanne Heathcote. I don't know much. I think she's been involved in it already. To some extent, oh. there has there, there is a little. One of the things people assume that Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote all of the episodes yes. so far, but she didn't. She even in series one, there were three or four episodes not written by her, and I think she was one of the writers. And in the second season, similarly, I think she'd have written some of the episodes, and then so then she becomes. I, I feel it's like an interesting process that they're getting yeah. talented women in each as the series series goes on to take over a showrunner, but still retaining the you know essentially the kind of creative, creative heart of the show. Yeah, I it's, think it's an interesting... So it was Emerald fin- for now. Fennel for yeah, the second Fennel, season. Fennel. I'm not 100% and sure. And so we'd presume that this is, if there's been a different head writer for each, each time there's yeah. going to be somebody else leading yeah, the writer's room, right, which yeah. is a really interesting approach because yeah. some people have been reaching out on Twitter. Reaching out? Some people have been reaching out <laughs> reaching on Twitter. Out, going, moving forward. And they are like, and they're saying, oh, we're a bit nervous that Phoebe Waller-Bridge isn't right. The second, she is obviously still involved as an exec Absolutely, producer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you say, if it's essentially the same creative team the same brains just kind of structured slightly differently yeah. you'd imagine that it's not going to be any change in quality still no news on season two for the uk not boys. officially it's unbelievable oh it's my god i keep yeah. tweeting i had to mute the killing eve twitter account yeah. because they were like who's excited and i just kept tweeting like angry things at them saying oh that's all well and good but when are we getting it and <laughs> yeah. i think they were like oh my god make that woman go away <laughs> tweeting us from england you'll no, break them keep going I, I, I mean I always do it is annoying but for, I, 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 I was told quite far away um, you know someone said to me it might even be July I think it is A the BBC I think there are restrictions on they have to wait because it is a BBC America thing unbelievably officially so they acquire it the BBC in this UK BBC acquires it from BBC America they have to wait a certain period and they also want to show that have the whole thing available as a box set because that's what they did a physical box set or a no, digital no 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 a digital box yeah, set on okay. iPlayer but they just want to wait so that we can watch all eight episodes in one go but I feel like they have to hurry up a bit. I mean, now. ridiculous. Yeah. I've been just been trying to. I've muted Killing Eve on my Twitter feed so yeah, I don't clever. see anything accidentally. But this is like it's getting beyond a joke. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, mm. What else have we got? What else is happening? The trailer for um, Big Little Lies. <gasps> How it's, that dropped yesterday. I think it was, yes. wasn't it? Sunday. Reece, yeah. Reece tweeted it. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved Big Little Lies. Getting loads of distortion on you. Can okay. you just move back a bit? Yes, I'm moving back. Okay. I loved Big Little yeah. Lies series one. I thought it was absolutely brilliantly done kind of object lesson how to do a TV crime show it, like, yeah. h- high concept you know we didn't know who died we didn't know who did it we didn't know why we didn't know anything about this we just know a murder had been committed and I thought it dealt with it so well and the cast was incredible now for Meryl Streep to be joining that cast and you see her in the show and she clearly she feels like she's going to have she's the, the mother of spoiler alert the guy who was killed in series one and it feels like she's going to have a detective equality yes. that she wants to find out what the hell happened to her son fair enough so I'm already incredibly excited about season two. I thought I, it was a great trailer. Yeah, really a good really trailer. good trailer because it, sh- it kind of had the the drama and the intensity that we knew from, but also those kind of moments of slight comedy. The, yeah. and this, mm. this amazing shots where they're all, they kind of cuts between them all screaming. And I loved how it dealt with female rage. And Stingy's got bangs. Fringe. Yes. Fringe. I noticed, oh, yeah. I saw your Instagram story where you, your analysis focused mainly on the fringe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, I, it's, yeah, assuming I missed that story. Shay, who, who, uh, Shailene Woodley <laughs> right. um, has a fringe and it looks amazing. But that was what I did. Sending them angry messages. I wasn't sending okay. them angry messages, but I was posting um, screen grabs from the trailer yeah. and just um, 
uh, annotating the fringe over and over again. But Meryl being in it, That's I just huge. think, is a genius stroke because obviously the first series stuck to the book and now they're having to, you know, as with Handmaid's Tale, they're having to kind of create the world anew. Obviously, there's the consequences of, of the end of season yeah. one, but actually introducing a new main character like that and a new tension is really, really, really exciting. So mm. I can't wait for that. I, I lost yeah. my yeah. mind. Yeah. And Andrea Arnold starting it. So that, that's yeah, Arnold. which is that's incredible. Yeah, really she's, great. She's amazing. Yeah, so the whole thing, just you know, the boldness of HBO in getting people like that involved in this kind of thing, I think is really exciting. Yeah, Meryl Streep doesn't do a lot of TV. Neither no. does Jake Gyllenhaal, who yeah. has got his own HBO series. Did you, did you read about this? Good link success. Thank I like you. Your link. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working that on that was one smooth. for four that days. Was like radio. Yeah, thank radio you very link. much. Uh, I'm very pleased with that one. Yeah. So Jake Gyllenhaal is doing his first. I think it's his first TV show. Full stop. But he's doing Lake Success for HBO. It's about a uh, recently divorced hedge fund manager. Oh, sexy. Who uh, has a narcissistic personality. He abandons all his responsibilities and begins a trek across the country via bus in search of his college girlfriend. And according to this story, he has expressed excitement about the series in a statement. <laughs> wow. Wow. I like the sound of it. So it's exciting all round. Um, When's that coming? Do we know? Uh, I think that's like it's later this year or next year. I think it's yeah. in production. Yeah, yeah. production. We should say, by the way, The Big Little Lies is June 7th in America. Yes. Which I think will mean it's quite soon after here as well. So I think it'll be. But like, we thought that about Killing Eve, so oh, no, don't no. give me that, Boyd. No, no, no. Sky Atlantic's very good. So Sky okay. Atlantic will make sure they show it. I, I, my guess is it'll be the you know a few days later or a week later. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got two more quick ones. Good. Please hit me. I, I thought that being substitute James, I should have some Picard news. Now, oh, I, I, oh God, I, 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 you have to. I I'm, missed it come for on. one week. I, I looked far and wide. Uh, the only thing I could find you'll be pleased to hear was via a YouTube video by somebody called Trekboy89. Is that James? I was going to say. <laughs> it might be James, yes. Apparently, licensing issues may be holding up production, but I'll, oh more on that, God. I'm sure, next week from James himself. That's a blow. And, That's true. And uh, Jeff Goldblum news on Disney Plus, a show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which I don't know what that's about, but Blimey. that's got to be good, right? Wow. Hang on. The World According to Jeff Goldblum, is that like a documentary? It's a documentary, it's... National Geographic documentary. Oh, uh, okay. Apparently we'll explore a world of astonishing connections <gasps> Maybe and big it's ideas. Like, I mean, Our Planet by Jeff Goldblum yeah. is something... I would totally watch. Oh my God, I was watching Gogglebox last night, right? And they were watching Our Planet. And did you see it no. with the um, walruses dying? Oh, yeah, throwing themselves off, throwing yeah. themselves off cliffs. Mm. And I was absolutely hysterical. Oh, and God. now I can't watch any. I'm never going to be able to watch Our Planet all the way through. Mm. Sobbed hysterically. Please, like, watch it and share in with the yeah. upset with me. I've decided I need to recycle more. Are they all right? <laughs> it seems yeah. something there. They die. No, they're not all right. They're, they're not all right. They're very much not they're all right. Not all right. The you, see the, melts, you see the results. The ice melts. They have to climb up a cliff. That they sh- I don't, they've, They're like, get their one ton body up a cliff. They get to the top of a cliff and then they try and jump off to get back into the water and they smash their brains into the rocks. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. That is terrible. Um, I went to not strictly see... speaking relevant, but okay. I had to share no, that no, emotional just moment. Let it out, with let you. out. Um, I want to quickly say I went to see the premiere, the UK premiere of Years and Years, which is the new oh, yes. Russell T Davis six part BBC One series coming soon, and it's got a credible cast: Emma Thompson, Russell Tovey, et al. And it is incredible. Hmm. When's that on board? That's going to be on sometime we'll, in May. We'll like be mid-May. reviewing we'll it. We'll be reviewing it here, absolutely. But I, oh, my God, I was excited mm. to see, it. and I saw, it, and they showed it on the massive IMAX screen as part of the festival festival thing at the BFI and it was it was pretty incredible pretty exciting and we should say oh yeah 
Big news, the OA spoiler special yes. is available now. Our first pilot TV spoiler special, Nick. I know you're a huge fan of the OA. I've started watching it. Good. I've started watching it. Well, when you finish watching it, then you immediately go to our spoiler special sure. where we interviewed the creators, Zalbat Manglidge and Britt Marling, mm. for about an hour we That's got huge. from them, which was incredible. And they were so brilliant talking about the show and you know the themes of the show. And the octopus. And the octopus. I hear everything. James muttering about the octopus yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Talked about the octopus, talked about all the big shocks and surprises in it. It, it, honestly, it was so brilliant to talk to them about it. Yeah, so and that, and you get me and James Witchery on as well. And we we apologise the fact it was a white man, middle aged, bald thing without you there because you hadn't watched season. Hadn't two watched yet. season so, two, yeah. so I was unable to yeah. to take part. But I have got it saved for when Good. I finish season two, Excellent. and I can't wait to hear it. Excellent. So do download it if you haven't already. And one more thing, we want people to vote for us in the podcast awards. British podcast awards are up, and you can vote for your favourite podcast of all time. I mean, some of you might vote for Empire. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Cool. But if you don't, then you surely want to vote for this one. As the editor in chief of Empire, yeah. I'd like to say, vote for Pilot. <laughs> I love it. So if you go to britishpodcastables.com slash vote and you literally search for our show in the t- type it in and it'll come up and then you press click a button. Please God do it. So that's two things. Download the OA's yep. first ever spoiler special. Second thing, vote for Pilot and then Empire 2 in the British Podcast Award. Correct. And that is news. Reviews? Bloody hell yes. Reviews. Right. First up is Chimerica. This four-part Channel 4 thriller is based on an Olivier Award-winning play about a photojournalist played by Alessandro Nivola, who, after having his credibility called into question and being labelled as fake news, tries to find his most famous subject, the tank man of Tiananmen Square. Boyd, I'm going to come to you first. Yes, so I saw this play when it came out. I think it won the um, South Bank Award, which I'm on on, on the on the panel for uh, every year. And it was this Ooh! epic... Oh, yeah, I'm just dropping that Who in there. Who is the most famous person <laughs> on the panel other than you? Oh, it's all, like, critics and, and oh, journalists. Us. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all nobody's. Yeah. But, and I mean, boys. Melvin is, like, hovers above it as the official chair, but he never comes in. He just he just hovers. Melvin? Above. Melvin Bragg. Does not Lord pull Bragg. his weight? Well, he, no, he, he he can't be in the judging panel, so, uh, it's all, so that he... Yeah, so he doesn't, he's not biased or anything. Uh, so it's all above board. Anyway, Chime America won quite rightly I think and it was this epic three hour kind of look very quick cutting loads and loads of scenes very kind of in, in its own way very cinematic visual experience mm. despite it being a play and it was all about the connection between America and China uh, using that this fictional photo journalist taking this legendary photo of Tank Man standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square and I think what this TV genre which Lucy Kirkwood adapted her own play I think she's done it really cleverly and the bullet for me the one genius move she's done it she's updated it and it now takes place on the eve of mm. the American election of Donald Trump. So Donald Trump now hovers over the whole thing as like this kind of spectre. So you see him in on TV news screens and people talk about him and like the with dread, you mm. know. And I think it's really clever just to put to, to set it at that moment. I mean there are flashbacks and flash forwards, but generally the kind of present day setting, if you like, is at that moment. Yes. And obviously he talked about China. Do you remember he was going about China in, yeah. the, in the election campaign and obsessed with that as well? So it really so apart from that, you're 
riveted by the idea of this man feeling the need to track down the tank man, the guy who stood there in front of the tanks bravely clutching his supermarket bags. Yeah. So that is a really interesting idea anyway. But I think thematically, this idea of bringing the Trump factor in just adds a whole new level to it as well. I thought it was really smartly done. I thought it was really... I thought it... Considering it it has to... You know, part of it's set in China. Mm. It has to depict quite big ideas of... You know, it has to kind of recreate moments in, in history... I thought it did it really well. I thought it looked great. And I thought it just, it kind of, it, it, it moved along very swift. I thought it had a real kind of full momentum to it. And I really like Alessandro Nevola. I think he's great. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. It gave me uh, some PTSD back to 2016, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you know, knowing what's what actually happens. But yeah, I really liked it. I thought it had a real sort of 70s conspiracy movie kind of yes. vibe to it. All the President's Men parallax view kind of mm. thing. I really liked uh, Alessandro Nivola as this kind of workaholic photojournalist. I enjoyed the fact his login for some forum was Kodak the Barbarian. That's right. Yeah. That was an amazing yeah. detail. But yeah, it's and the, re- head of the title of the episode of the first episode is Kodak Ergo Sum as well. There we go. Yeah. Lots of Kodak gags. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's fairly depressing. It's about kind of you know China and authoritarian government and how America is moving in the same direction. But I just there's loads going on. Really smart kind of uh, dramatization. I enjoyed it. So I should probably say slight disclaimer, which is my partner worked on this show. Oh yeah. Um, as yes. a standby art director, so I'm kind of aware of a few practicalities in terms of how they made it. So it's yeah. they shot a lot of it in Bulgaria. That's where they shot the New York scenes. And actually, I have to say the VF the amount of VFX they must have done when you watch it because as you say, recreating things, mm. but also, you know, there's a, a Trump rally happening. Yeah. It, it's it's pulled off, I thought, brilliantly. Yeah, really I think he is brilliant, Alessandro. And actually the young him, yes. um, I thought was fantastic. Ty Simpkins yeah, from which is, Jurassic World. Which is where it opens. Mm. It looks absolutely fantastic it was there were, i thought there were slight pacing issues at times like there were there were bits which kind of dragged a little bit mm. and didn't keep the kind of momentum of the drama going or the character beats but yeah i thought it was really good and quite bold actually if you think about channel four and the audience they're probably going for because it's what a weekday at nine o'clock right but we don't think uh, wednesday wednesdays, nine o'clock yeah wednesdays at nine o'clock i thought mm. to to kind of dig into that stuff but as you say the genius stroke of setting it with trump and it's there right from the beginning mm. he's on tv screens in the background there's the rallies happening i thought was really really smart and makes it feel really kind of contemporary and of a moment and gives it a kind of urgency and i think i have to say out to Cherry Jones, oh, um, yeah. obviously of Transparent and Handmaid's Tale, and, and makes money, money, <laughs> twenty-four, many, many other things. Who plays his friend and fellow journalist who's struggling with alcoholism? And she's just—I thought she's just—I yeah, mean, she's amazing in everything, yeah. right? Yeah. But I really loved it. I loved F. Murray Abraham as the editor yeah. of the paper as well, yes. being forced on Twitter, and it's got a lot to say about journalism as well. Mm. I mean, it's got a lot to say. Yeah, about there's a whole fake things. news thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. interesting, really, really well done as well. Because that could have been slightly clunky, I think. Yeah. Way, but that, that, that he gets embroiled in it. And that, yeah, that's really interesting. It can be a little heavy-handed at times. People say things like "there's a storm coming," <laughs> which I don't think anyone says in real life. But yeah, generally, I really liked it. It yeah. kind of it was it was exciting. They are putting out as a um, box set as well on all four. Yeah. So if you want to see the whole thing in one go, you can. And if not, it starts this Wednesday the 17th at 9pm on Channel 4. Second up this week, we have Back to Life. The story of one woman's struggle to reintegrate back into society after 18 years in prison. It's written by Laura Sullen and Daisy Haggard, who also stars as Miri. 
And she is more than ably supported by Geraldine James, who plays her sexually frustrated mother, and Adil Akhtar as next-door neighbour Billy. Nick, I'll start with you. What do you reckon? I liked it. So this is going in the flea bag slot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yes. what it's called. It's a bit flea baggier than flea bag, perhaps. But oh. I, I really liked it. I don't know what that means, but it sounded <laughs> yeah, clever sounded enough when I wrote clever, it down. Yeah. It's fairly dark. Obviously, you know, the setup is that she has been in prison for 18 years, I think, and she's coming back to the seaside town. And a lot of people there don't really want her back. Mm. Um, so it's pretty heavy subject matter, but lightly done. And I think a lot of that is to do with her performance. Mm. She's really kind of sparky despite all of that. And yeah, I just thought it was sharp. There's a lovely bit where she comes back into her childhood bedroom and yeah. she's got the posters on the wall and everyone's dead apart from uh, Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver. <laughs> and her mum goes, last man standing. That's a great <laughs> line. Such a great yeah. line. Yeah. Such a great line. But I, I have to say, like, just picking up on the flea bag comparisons, right? Because I think it was you'd said that yes. in your email, Boyd. I did. And I get it, but there were a couple of things. A, which is, I think, anything which is primarily written and then performed by a woman this or becomes, a pair of women yeah. becomes the flea bag. It is quite quirky, and I hate that word, but she opens on her cutting her own fringe mm. and kind of practising mm. telling people where she's been for 18 years and she cuts her fringe really high and it looks it makes her look even more mad. It's almost, you know, like we make up half of the population and that we <laughs> yeah. and we and we're not all the same. But I th- and I get why it's an easy comparison and it was bound to be an inevitable one because they have put it in the t- same time slot. But I should can I say one see. quick thing though? It is also produced Same by. Producers. So that's partly what I'm, I'm going to abrogate myself yeah, all, because that's what I'm, completely what I mentioned. Not you. But, I would but, say I would say there is one similarity in that, that both shows, at least season one of Fleabag, have kind of a mystery that gets teased yes. out. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit. But of But don't a you think power. that's just like? But yeah, most. I'm being lazy. <laughs> but no, no, and it isn't you. But I, I can just see. I, I yeah. was um, reading a, some stuff online, and it was very much like. And here's the Fleabag one. Yeah, and yeah. actually, there isn't a huge amount. of of content crossover like no. I have to say like it's dark it's dark dark in a very different way to flee back I mean no. there's a scene in, in the garden set at night where you think something truly terrible is going to happen it doesn't end up no. happening but that's where that's the world you're in is where anything no matter how grim seems not just possible but probable and the mystery is a good device I have to say because you you don't know what she's done you know it's bad enough to get her sent away for 18 years it's bad enough to get psycho bitch spray painted on her parents house and get dog mm. shit sent to them or human shit I don't know but it's it's clear that she's done something really bad and kind of what we were saying about the victim you can you can tell it's going to get into the very concept of serving your sentence and your debt to society and how you reintegrate back into it I thought it was brilliant on the kind of being stuck at the age she was when she went in and kind of being stuck in a youthful age that you no longer believe in, that you no longer live in. So there's an amazing bit where she goes to her ex-boyfriend's house to give him back his disc man that he lent (laughs) her 18 years before. And he's quite shocked to see her, let's put it that way, and like slams the door in her face. She plays that brilliantly because even though she's clearly, what, in her 30s now or what have you, she seems so young and, and innocent in lots of ways but also really hardened there's very little detail on what happened to her in prison if you know mm, I imagine yeah, being not. in prison for 18 years is not easy and it's made her the woman she is and she wears that like you can see it on her skin the mm, way she yeah. carries herself I think there's a real delicacy to her performance which is really really powerful but to, some of the I have to say there were a few tonal moments which were the darkness became a bit much mm, I know yeah. this is very unusual for me to yeah, say yeah. this the grim lover but it, there yeah, were moments where I was like Ooh, this is hard to 
It is, it is really... I mean, so for me, my, the Fleabag, you're absolutely right, it's a completely different type of show, but it is... For me, the boldness yes. and the kind of almost the quality of it, and the, almost the surprise, because like oh, you know, I knew I, I knew I saw when this was announced, and Laura Stone's very very talented, and you know mm. Daisy Haggard brilliant in everything she does, but I just wasn't what I was expecting, and I think it, Fleabag had that when yes. I first saw that it just kind of bowled you over how bold and different it was, and this is very bold and different from Fleabag, and I feel like there's a mark of quality almost from the Williams brothers, two brothers pitched their company in making these shows, because mm. again, it's shot, it's like widescreen, filmed in widescreen, it's very beautifully made, it's got that, as you say, they use the coastal setting brilliantly, yes. which just adds to the whole kind of weird quality to it, there's almost like a David Lynchian yeah. thing sometimes yeah. going on. You get just, her as the outside, you totally yeah. get her as the outsider, because right. you feel like the insider totally. as well. Yeah, so it's really so I just think in terms of the I was absolutely bowled over by just how different and brave it was and you're right totally it really is dark comedy has become such a cliche mm. but this is almost taking a, the most kind of challenging idea as you say it's a lot of connected to the victim saying yeah. you know right a horrendous crime has been committed by this woman and yet we totally she's charming and funny yeah. and we're on her side and you're like how is that going to play out and how is that going to work and at some point we're obviously going to find out what she's done I mean, and every, but everyone she's completely being isolated and she is persona non grata in her town so it's got to be terrible terrible yeah. stuff it's so interesting I just think it's like one of the most interesting ideas and I thought brilliantly executed. So I, I just was so excited about mm. how good it was yeah. really I mean everyone else all the other characters are almost more fucked up than she is yeah right Yeah. yeah. I really like the stuff with the parents actually the parents are great they're so good aren't they I yeah. mean the stuff with Geraldine James there's one scene in particular <laughs> I know, in the I first know. episode which when you see it you'll know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about you're like can you imagine being Geraldine James <laughs> reading that script and being like yeah. sure yeah, yeah, but yes. it's amazing, and also I think she's deliberately digging into the concept of women who've committed crimes and how women are viewed by society when they've done something of that kind of nature oh, exactly. or seriousness. Yeah, totally. How they're treated versus men. I think that's that's clearly going to be something we look into more as the weeks go on. I don't know how I feel about going back in for more. It kind of feels like the thing you really have to steal Psych yourself, yourself up for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's heavy. And it is they're putting all this out on, as well on iPlayer, by the way, from yes, tonight. from today, right, fifteenth. Yeah. From so now, yes, from it now. begins streaming on BBC Three right now. Yeah, um, and will also broadcast weekly on BBC One at ten thirty-five a.m. on what day? PM. PM. Monday tonight. Yeah, Mondays. Mon- every Monday. Yeah, That's in, it. AM. Can you, you imagine? Did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> Tune in before this morning for your uh, yes. daily So it is, it is in that Fleabag slot again, which is why. But and all I would say, so I, I made the point that everyone's going, oh, you know, I'm, my life is bereft because Fleabag's gone. Yes. And a lot of big shows, Derry Girls ended last week, Alan Partridge ended the week before, Home ended. So, But for me, there's still incredible, good, great new stuff. And this is, this is one of them. I think this is a really exciting thing. Okay, so it's back to life. As we said, it's on BBC Three, streaming from today, and it will be BBC One every Monday night at 10.35. Now, we have saved the most exciting till last season eight of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Now, in this first episode, we see the troops gathering at Winterfell and there are a series of emotional reunions. I think that's enough to set it up. And we are going to be discussing spoilers because otherwise we would literally be sat here in silence, which may be preferable, but we'll see. So please, 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 if you do not want to know anything, if you haven't had a chance to see the first episode yet, please do skip past this to the Banshee segment at the end. Now, who wants to go first? 
Lead off, Boyd. Okay, so I'm guess so you you've watched all of Game of Thrones. You did. Uh-huh. You were the master. I've of, seen it all twice. You've seen yeah. it all twice. Okay, yep. so I've seen. I've seen it all once, and I'm one of those. I love Game of Thrones, and I did pretty much love it from the start. But I'm not the kind of person. I'm not so obsessed with it that I I forget all the names of the characters, and I, mm. it's not the mythology of it, which is unbelievably complicated anyway. Let's face it. Yeah, like isn't all in my head. You probably had to be because I recognise Dolores Ed. Right. So there are things in it, like you know. So for example, the very first scene of this return of this final ever season is all of these big armies and clans gathering the humans all the main characters really that we've grown to know and love since season one gathering to face the challenge of the undead white walkers right so and i felt that mirrored a little bit the very first episode oh yeah absolutely oh yeah so i remembered that so i was like oh i think that first episode was like that and there was also in the first episode the character of bran who was a little boy then Mm. famously thrown out of the window um in the very first episode by jamie lannister was running around scurrying around getting excited wasn't he and there's a boy in this in the very first scene Mm. scurrying so i loved that i love the fact they called back to the very first episode and what happens to that little boy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (gasps) Uh, yeah. i thought oh this is nice this they're kind of literally gathering out all the characters we know and love they're bringing them together they're reuniting a lot of people and I thought they did those reuniting scenes very nicely I was really for me it was like not only setting the scene and reminding you of kind of where we are in this huge big story but also advancing that story quite significantly as well there's one key kind of plot development where um, Jon Snow is told Finally, mm. like what his who he is really, and what his relationship with Daenerys means, and I thought that because they could have waited to do that, you know, about two or three more episodes, they could have strung that, but they didn't. They they addressed that very early on, and I thought it was really interesting how the very first line, the very first bit of dialogue after all these, you see all these hordes arriving together, and they're all kind of you see lots of horses, lots of extras, very spe- spectacular and epic, and the, and the boy running around to find them. But there's a little moment between Tyrion, Tyrion the dwarf, the dwarf, and Varys who's had his knob cut off and that little that yeah. scene between them was really funny the eunuch scene the eunuch scene yeah. was really funny and I thought that it very smartly undercut reminded all the undercut the bombast yeah. which it always does brilliantly particularly Tyrion's character isn't he so Tyrion really is always undercutting the bombast all the way through the series and he's brilliant Peter Singley is brilliant I've heard role. an amazing theory about oh, Varys really? have you read this no go that, on that he's triplets and it explains because oh he, he pops up all over Westeros yeah. throughout the show and everyone's like how does he get from one place to another so fast and so there's a theory that I've discovered that there are three of him that's which brilliant. i hope is true <laughs> i love that so i just thought it really reminded me of why i love the show that because people go on oh it's an epic fantasy with dragons it's like tolkien but actually there's humor the humor and that was the first thing they established this is a funny mm. kind of smart very very well-written show for me the one flaw and i really enjoyed this first episode i, I love the way it brought everything back i love the way it reminded you of what was going on and the stakes and the stakes are huge and jamie arriving right at the end to see the boy he threw out of the window was brilliant all mm. of that stuff i loved i did feel the dragon flying scene was a little bit like a. I didn't kind of buy it that suddenly Daenerys is this like fun-loving girl. Mm. You know, she's quite pompous and serious, and like you know, all the way through. Please bow bow down before me. And suddenly she's like having a right old laugh <laughs> and going for a flight with the dragons for no big reason whatsoever. The by ela- the way, the White Walkers have gone through the thing and they're about to have the biggest war in the history of the world ever. Yeah. And they're having a little this little kind of like I, yeah, yeah, that was the Aladdin moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the, a bit the flying Aladdin, carpet yeah. stuff. Yeah, I had some issues with that. Well, weren't uh, there green screen issues as well? And it was really? a bit yeah, it the effects bit... weren't great. Yeah. There were a bit. There were a couple of moments where it was like, yeah, yeah, a little bit shonky. It was shonky but they just yeah. established that you know the dragons are un- undernourished, and would they really go right, flying they're undernourished with them? as well? Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, and they've only had eleven goats and four cows or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was. But yeah, no, I mean, there were, there were, I had a few nitpicks with here and there, but I really liked it. It's it was quite a slow start, I think, but. They're, they're establishing this really ominous undercurrent to everything and all the good guys are getting together but 
the parallels with the pilot yeah. where the Lannisters were the people arriving and we all know that how that ended and it's all these factions joining and are they going to be torn apart but yeah Sansa does not like Daenerys yeah, which that made sense. I yeah. got that. So, and I should say that I've yeah, so never this- <laughs> watched Game of Thrones, and I was going to. First of all, I said to Nick months ago, right, I'm going to watch all of the episodes and be caught up by the time it starts. Clearly, I have a life, so that didn't happen. And so then I decided I was just going to read and watch loads of recap things. And then I thought, actually, I'm just going to go in cold and see what I get from it. And there was loads and loads and loads of meaningful looks. Like <laughs> I'm the, giving like you one right now. Like what you're mentioning. Mm-hmm. So um, Sophie Turner was giving good face at Amelia Clark. Good ML. Um, and I still, it's weird because I still, felt like I understood enough knowing nothing less brutal because obviously everyone's been telling me what I should look out for what I'd probably think less brutal violence and eye-popping nudity than I expected I did love it that the one scene in which there is gratuitous female nudity and there's three women servicing a man <laughs> they're to like talking over the top and he's like can we stop talking about the fucking dragon it was so what yeah. you just said boy the, the way they funny, undercut yeah. that was really funny yeah. Lena Hadley I mean there's a quote where she says if you want a whore buy one if you want a queen earn her and I was like this is not problematic in terms of female mo- I would like <laughs> totally I was like I'm going to get that put on a t-shirt and yeah. I'm going to wear it to the Empire office I thought it was really funny really touching as you say there was that one the flying dragons who in, in actually when they were on the ground I was quite shocked at how great, yeah, the, great yeah. the effects looked yeah. but then when there was flying there was one shot of Amelia Clark on mm. the on the back and they were flying and it was kind of a beautiful shot but you could see the joins for yes. sure and that mm. that kind of really took me out of the moment one of the dragons gives a meaningful look as well <laughs> yeah I like that that was great I like yeah. that too yeah to, to Jon Snow does he like, know that does was the dragon clever. know yeah it was like the dragon's jealous yeah. of, of, you know because those dragons get very very protective towards yeah. the Yeah, I loved Cersei so Cersei is yeah. my absolute 100% favourite character and she for me it's like she is the great creation of the whole show because she's she's absolutely ruthless and despicable and a nasty nasty woman but I love her and she's so brilliantly acted by Lena and the scene in this where you didn't know is she going to shag this horrible twat this monstrous fucking nasty wanker who is like so smug and disgusting he's he's also a brilliant creation and he wears guy liner well terrible guy liner brilliantly over the top performance first of all as you say she kind of goes no I'm not your if you want a whore but then she does she does shag him spoiler alert big spoiler alert but I thought actually I believed it I kind of thought yeah that's probably would be the route she goes down and she still has literally has all the power in the whole thing mm. but I thought that I loved all that stuff I loved all the Cersei stuff so I just all of those it just reminds you that it's done a brilliant job of drawing an incredible array of, of big characters hasn't it like you know and just like thingy coming back the ironmonger Gendry and that even the character of the of the ironmonger who's kind of and how he kind of reacted with Sansa Stark and all of that it just reminded you they've created an incredible array of really interesting three-dimensional characters who we kind of now know and love and are fascinated by or hate that is the real strength of it for me you know there's going to be an enormous battle there's going to be a whole episode mm. that's one battle apparently there'll be the biggest battle ever in history but for me the brilliance of the show is those intimate scenes of power struggles yeah. and people dominating other people and how ruthless that's, that's what I love about the show and this first episode was full of those scenes yeah you're right it's like any of the minor characters the combinations of them and having Arya and the Hound and that little exchange like yeah. everything like that is just great I was a little bit disappointed at the lack of elephants they've now established there aren't any elephants but it was funny how annoyed um, Cersei was that without the elephants I love her frustration I want elephants I'm annoyed I'm annoyed I mean I love an elephant as well. well we got elephants at the end of Lord of the Rings so maybe that's why they're avoiding them but you know bring on the elephants come on 
And there's, it's right, Boyd, that they're differing episode lengths, right? Some are feature yeah. lengths. There's, this one was a normal kind this of This was pretty much minutes. an hour, yeah. yeah. I, don't th- I don't think they're as long as we thought. So in, part of the big publicity was, you know, oh, they'll be, they're all going to be feature length. I think there's only a couple that will actually end up being mm. like 70, 80 minutes. Yeah, most of them are, are still an hour length, but they still pack an incredible amount. There, there was an incredible amount packed into that. Even though it was a slow start and a slow, a slow burn, they still remind you just how much you get through in an episode of the show. I think mm. it was pretty... The, we're going to get a battle of Winterfell, which is going to be entirely a battle. The longest one ever done on screen, apparently, wow. including films. I think that's coming up in like yeah. one or two. Which I think took time. months and months to film, wasn't it? And I heard some one of the cast was on the radio this morning saying that the, that first scene where they're all gathering, that scene took like a week to film, even just that, you know, just all the different elements of that. The scale and scope and epic of it, you might remind it, which, that's which made that moment with the, with the green screen and the... Yeah. Just so jarring. Yeah. It was almost like, oh my God, you've, you've created this unbelievable cinematic epic thing showing how just how ambitious tv is and yet you've let this one moment go through that just what well, did look shoddy yeah but it is if you just from that one episode as you say the ambition of the vfx in it is unbelievable yeah, yeah. unbelievable so you, can we, we kind forgive of forgive oh, one little you yeah, know of course was there anything else that didn't kind of live up to your expectations or exceeded it hmm or were there any big surprises? I'm not a fan of Euron uh, Greyjoy. I'm hoping he gets killed off quite quickly. Oh, he's, he's, so who, he's who shagged him? Um, he's maybe the worst character in the so show. So. Oh, really? Yeah. You, do, do you mean you don't like... You, obviously, you're meant to hate him because he is despicable and a twat, but you mean you don't like the <laughs> despicable whole... Despicable and a twat. You'd just rather he wasn't there. There are many so, hateful characters okay. on the show, but he just, I just find him quite annoying. Okay. What did you think of the rescue of, of Alfie Allen coming back and uh, rescuing his it was, sister? It was fine. Yeah, that was a bit... That was slightly disappointing, mm. I felt, because that's quite a big thing that he was going to... He worked at. He was, you know, she'd been captured, and he had to go and rest. And that was done very, very quickly. That was a little bit kind of dealt with. And then she was like, oh, so "He can sort off and go and fight in the war." They're of. all going back to the Iron Islands, so I don't know how they're going to fit into the whole rest of the yeah. the narrative. They yeah. seem to kind of be gone now, but presumably right. they'll turn up and, that was and save people at some point. Yeah. I'm assuming. And was the Jon Snow reveal kind of tossed? Away? I mean, it was handled quite. In terms of it just kind of dropped in, there was no kind of big build and kind of... Although it was dramatic, do you think it was tossed away that. a little I bit? Liked, I know, I kind of... I thought that was work, that worked for me, that, yeah, Samuel Tarly kind of knew and just was told, this is the moment you've got to tell him. Bran telling... The two of them were the ones that knew. Yeah. It's very convenient, isn't it? Bran, the character of Bran is so convenient. Like, but, you know, he knows everything, he can mm. see everything and he can tell everyone what to do and what's going to happen. And, yeah, it kind of worked because him going, right, do it now, I thought that fine. And that... and. By the way, a lot of it, John Bradley's performance of Sam yes, was brilliant. I thought he was amazing. And he's amazing, yeah. And he's, again, one of the great joys of the show, his character. I love him. I love his character. The I moment, love his performance. The, the moment when he found out his yes. brother and his dad. Right. Yeah. Which mercilessly was, killed by Daenerys. Yeah. Which, is, again, is it... So those, these are yeah. key revelations, really, aren't they? That was Within a great the bit mythology. of acting. That yeah. was a really good Because he bit. hates his brother and his, yeah. his dad, but yeah. he's still... But they got, were his brother and his dad. Yeah. yeah. saw a lot of emotion going on there. Yeah. And so and they're setting... I think they're very, very, they're very cleverly setting up that this Jon Snow Daenerys thing is a doomed... is a massively yes. doomed relationship, like Fleabag and the Priest. And that is going to just explode. And I'm fascinated to know how that develops and how they deal with that. They're always ordering each other to kneel as well. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, that is Game of Thrones. The first episode aired at 2am this morning and will be shown again tonight, Monday the 15th at 9pm on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. And that will repeat every week for the next... Six weeks? Six weeks, yeah. Six, six weeks. Five, only five more episodes to go. Five more. I, we're already Weird. talking about five more episodes to go and we've only watched the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so what is our pick of the week? Boyd? 
Do you know what? I am going to pick Back to Life because I, I really, yeah. I mean, I love Whoa. Game of Thrones anyway, but I just want to. I think I really want people to watch it because I think it's. A, I'm, a, I'm so impressed by how bold and daring it is. Nick, Game of Thrones. Me too. Me too. And I've never okay. even watched. Come on. It. Oh, I love Game of Come Thrones, on. of course. Meaningful dragon looks. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. MDL. So that is Game of Thrones plus one vote from Boyd for Back to Life. <laughs> Why don't you just watch all of them? Yes. Um, that would be our recommendation. Right now, it is time to finish with Banshee. This is our regular <laughs> James Dyer, again, suggested segment in which we choose something from years ago that we think you may love and have forgotten or not even watched. Nick, as our guest, would you like to start us off? I would. I've been revisiting Tales from the Crypt recently. Whoa. Yeah. Amazing. So there was talk of M. Night Shyamalan bringing it back and yeah. obviously an anthology series from the kind of late 80s, early 90s, based on 1950s comic books, very macabre, sort of grisly tales. So I've kind of gone back to the original. Now, the M. Night Shyamalan version has been cancelled, sadly, but I, I love the original series. Have you guys seen any of this? God, years ago. It used to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> it's very early 90s. Yeah. But the people involved are amazing, like really amazing. You Some get... of the effects weren't the best, <laughs> oh, if I, I remember mean, rightly. They're pretty, yeah, they can can be pretty dreadful. The Crypt Keeper isn't, but it's got a kind of very tongue-in-cheek vibe to it. So, yeah, I've been going back and watching some episodes from that. There's one directed by Arnie. Wow. Yep. He also turns up in it and uh, does weights with the Crypt Keeper. Does weights? <laughs> I love the fact that Arnie episode has to have him doing stuff in the gym. Yeah. She's like, that's in his contract. I will only be in Tales from the Crypt as long as I can pump iron. Pump iron. Do some iron, you Crypt Keeper. I want to recommend one episode in particular, Carrion Death. Which okay. Carrion spelt C A R R I O N, good yeah. pun. And that is Carl McClackland from Twin Peaks playing a sort of serial killer bank robber, and he's uh, handcuffed to a dead cop. And he's trying to make his escape across the desert. There's two vultures following him. And it's just a really genius 25 minutes TV. Fantastic. And where can people watch this, Nick? Well, that's a really good question. (laughs) You haven't checked that, have you? Yeah. Um, It'll be somewhere. It'll be somewhere. You can get it from Amazon. um, So it's a little bit bit pricey, but you can get DVDs from Amazon. Usually DVDs have to be like two quid for 20 million box sets or something. Yeah, James likes to recommend, uh, what's it called? DVD Warehouse? CD Warehouse? It shows how much we listen to him. He mentions it every week and we don't know what it is. (laughs) James mentioned something. You should buy it from there. There we go. Okay, Boyd, what have you got uh, for I'm us? going from my Mad Fat Diary. Oh, nice. Yeah, did you see it? So it yeah. was great. It was adapted um, from the book by Ray Earl, and it was about a large young woman and her diary and dealing with her issues of growing up and body image. But it was it was also much broader than that, just generally about growing up as teenagers and teenagers different. It was dealt with sexuality. It dealt with relationships. It was a really, really good... And Sharon Rooney in the lead role was brilliant. Also, Jodie Comer was in it, had, mm. had a small role in it it was a key role as, 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 as one of the friends in the school Ian Hart was in it Nico Miralegro was in it it was a really it was, I think it went on for three series it's all on all four 16 episodes altogether and it was very imaginatively done so they would dramatise the bits in her diary with animation and kind of there were fantasy sequences but underlying it was a kind of great realism it dealt with depression very well and I just thought it was a really really well done kind of slightly underrated undervalued show try it out 
Christmas. Does Arnie turn up and pump weights? He doesn't. No, <laughs> it's much more realistic than that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. It would. It would. I think it would That's take the, you out of the story. That is the height of realism. Yeah, I, I would guess so. Maybe yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, and I am going to choose Melrose Place oh. this week, mm. which was uh, I think it ran ninety-two to ninety-nine, and it was the story of a group of Los Angeles. Is that what you say? Mm. Los so. Angeles who shared a Angelina. apartment complex, and it was the story of their interconnecting lives and romances. And I think, right, people forget how many kind of boundaries it broke at the time, Melrose Place. So if you remember, it had one of the first kind of openly gay characters mm. in a soap, quote unquote. His boyfriend was HIV positive. You had substance abuse. You had eating disorders. You also had like fake deaths and there was a really famous scene where uh, Marcia Marcia Cross removed her wig at one point Did, oh, do you yeah, remember yeah, this yeah. and it, she's got I mean it's it kind of went proper nuts at the end like proper unhinged parallel universe what is happening the ratings are dying um, <laughs> but at its peak it was amazing Heather Locklear was in it it was proper Soap opera done good, I think. So if you are in the mood for that, that is also on Amazon. I think season one is on Prime and you can buy the rest as well. Right. Mm. I think we are done. I think it's Without James. Shot. I think we've, oh. you know, we've struggled through. We've I limped through. Imagine how much Picard news James is going to have next week, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, it'll, it'll make up for... And Mandalorian news, really. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think he could reenact the whole Mandalorian thing. <laughs> that is it for another Pilot TV podcast. Until next week, do speak to us on Twitter, Terry underscore White, at Boyd Hilton, at Nick Desemlian. He's the only one, apart from a guy in Paris who has stolen his identity. <laughs> and even... James C. Dyer to tell him and us how much you missed him. Please do drop by our iTunes reviews page and drop five stars for us and then join us next week when James will be back and all will be right and yet wrong in the pilot world. Pilot out. Mm. 